to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares, I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they gonna say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're gonna make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show him a three percent return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Hello, no fake stocks and jacks. I'm Tom out. Andrew on the board on a nice Wednesday here in Chicago. Chilly, but very nice. Uh, S&P futures are down 5, Nasdaq futures down 25. This is after a very, very odd day yesterday in the sense that we were down Nasdaq almost exactly dollar for dollar we were up the day before. Um, choppy, choppy markets. If you're long, you, you you think it's going up and you buy in and all of a sudden up, it's not going that way, it's going the other way. It's uh, um, very chop, chop, chop. As he used to say on the trading floor, it was chopped up. We don't want Kevin chopped up. What's he doing? Kevin, how are you? Um, I am uh, all in one piece, not chopped up at all. Well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, you don't want to be like the, uh, uh, you know, they used to do some of the mob guys where they'd chop them up and put them in the sausage. Just um, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> or or a wood chipper like in Fargo. Yeah, yeah. What was the movie with uh, Lee? Wasn't Lee Marvin the driver? They drove somewhere with all these guys and they they threw them in where they were they were doing. Some, so, are, you, are you talking Dirty Dozen here, or what? No, this was long. It was before. He was a driver. It was some some mob flick. I don't know what heck it was, but anyway, mortgage demand stalls at a level not seen since 1996. And Nancy on yesterday confirming that. See, we were, we were sort of the head of the news, uh, Kevin. We had somebody uh, say, "Always, we are cutting edge here." Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, um, between you dealing with the people every day uh, that you do and. Audrey and Nancy dealing with clients every day and seeing the whole area. I mean, there isn't a half hour that goes by that Aud isn't looking for a house for somebody or doing something, something, and Nancy's always tracking down a mortgage for somebody. I mean, those two ladies work very, very hard, and that's, that's, why, they're, that's why they're good at it. That's why everybody else is laid off in the industry, and she's not. I mean, uh, Nancy. Uh, but, I mean, it's they're, they, it, it's almost like old-school work workmanship. I mean, they... they they're 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 from the worker generation, and uh, and so are you. And uh, I just the reason why I was uh, was talking about here. I guess I'm reading here this morning, uh, Kevin. I'm reading about Butler Buildings because I was uh, this this thing with the uh, people coming to Chicago, the refugees. You know, politically, you know, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know where we stand on the border and all that stuff. I, mean, I honestly don't feel I have enough information of where all these people are coming from and what it's like at home and. And, and what are we doing down there, if anything? I mean, it's a huge issue as to why people are here, why they're crashing the border, why our, our money we seem to be spending to help these other countries out doesn't seem to be going anywhere. I mean, it, there's, there's, this stuff is, is way over my head. It would take, you know, weeks at Camp David for people in the State Department to tell me who's doing what, where, and which, which dictator, whoever the hell he is down there, is screwing his people so they feel they got to walk all the way north to here and... I mean, it, it, I don't. I mean, I can't even imagine the the length and breadth of the problem. So, but just in terms of, uh, I just, you know, in our lifetime, I mean, a lot of it, you know, we were really young, but in, in our lifetime, it just seems, Kevin, that uh, the the magnitude of the task, you know, here in Chicago, the uh, the idea of, 
5,000 people, 10,000 people. And I'm, you know, there's, there's people that I, that I know, maybe have a cocktail with a, cu- a cup of coffee that are, are real bright people. And they just, and they talk about the magnitude of this task. We just don't have the money. We don't have this. We don't have that. And I'm going, 8,000 people in a city like Chicago is a pimple on the ass of an elephant. I mean, we used to be able to take care of how many immigrants a month in this city. And, and I, I don't, doesn't anybody do anything anymore? Just, I mean, it, 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 it's not a problem that we need. It's not a problem that anybody wants. People come from other places, you know, they look dirty, they have a problem, they can't speak the language. But, Kevin, on, on, a, on a scale of 1 to 10, a city this size, if, if we had the, the uh, charter school, not the charter schools, the technical schools we had 30 years ago. And I, I don't know what happened to all this stuff because these teachers still get paid exorbitantly more than they ever used to. If we had Tilden Tech, CVS, all these places running all this stuff, all you would do is house people near there, open them up at night, and have people do shop classes and stuff at night and get them a job in two months. I mean, it, But, Tom, wouldn't you have been doing that all along with yeah. the uh, underclass in the city? Exactly. Well, that's my point. Why, because, why aren't we doing it now with everybody? Because you have a whole very pissed off underclass in the city, largely African-American, who are really upset about all the stuff that um, that people who came to the country illegally are getting that they never got. Um, and uh, John Cass wrote a really good column about this um, uh, earlier this week um, and, and basically said that, uh, you know, the, uh, they've got Democratic leadership is just playing blacks for fools. I think the black leadership is playing blacks for fools. Oh, oh yeah, they're they're right with it. I mean, remember, um, it, you know, you you heard the mayor of New York earlier this week, or la- I guess it was late last week, um, talking about how the uh, um, you know the the uh, uh, the city of New York just can't continue to handle the migration of people that are being brought into their cities, and uh, and uh, and it's going to ruin New York. It's going to be the the ruination of New York. This is the same guy who was embracing the idea of New York being a sanctuary city. If, they, if things were running correctly, so the, the, you know. Yeah. So yeah, they, everybody's talking out both sides of their mouths. Well, I think, and this is um, some of the leadership. It, it mostly it appears to be in the black community, but it's probably everywhere. Um, most of the leadership, the amount of money that is pouring in to every community here in the city it's it's not the amount of cash Kevin I mean I I think that I'm I could be wrong on this but I'm not very far off I'm gonna say the amount of cash that goes to every grammar school and high school for every student here in the city is pushing 17 5 18 grand it's after the building is up and it has nothing to do with the facility issues yeah the annual per student expenditure. that's that's a bleep load of money I mean as to why the shops and all the other stuff in those schools have closed. I have no idea, but it's not like there's no money there. So, so the idea that uh, that you know the black community or the Hispanic community or the white community has not been serviced by money is totally wrong. It, maybe they haven't been serviced or they haven't demanded or maybe you, you are correct. Why, if, if Tilden Tech, I use that example because it's close. My cousin went there. So did Jenny Kerr, by the way. Uh, if Tilden Tech was running like it did in the 50s. And you had all these jobs coming back, allegedly coming back from uh, Asia, and firms like my nephew's not being able to hire people to do metal work and so forth. 
the very simple solution, nothing's a solution, but one of the, th- the first thing you would do is open Tilden Tech at night for adults. Wouldn't you? Duh. Because having that person now working and paying taxes as opposed to getting a check is exactly what you want to do, right? You want to get a couple of million people off the dole back onto the contributing part. That, that would solve problems up and down the line, deficits, everything, wouldn't it? Is, isn't that our goal? You know, yes. Why, if, if you reopen these, these places for the migrants, should other people be able to go there? Well, hell yes. I mean, you're not going to give me an argue with about that, Kevin. It should be for everybody should have been there all along. And if it was there all along, there's 8,000 people, like I said, would be a pimple on the ass of an elephant, wouldn't they? Yeah, but it's it, it's not 8,000, Tom, is it? Uh, Chicago's got like 8 or 12 or something. It's, we're not, uh, we're not talking about... Because we're, we're in New York, they're talking thousands per month. I think we're talking the same thing here. Um, well, New York's got 6 million people. How many people they used to get on, on steamships every day? Okay, so just cut it. You know, cut it by uh, um, you know a third for Chicago, whatever yeah. you need to cut it, and it's still thousands per month. Okay, what I'm saying is, I never, I never once said it wasn't a problem, and something that needs to be dealt with internationally at the border, all those kinds of things. But the fact is, can Chicago, if it was running properly, can it absorb ten thousand people a month? Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, I, I suppose that's true, Tom. But that's had it been running properly all along. We not lost had we, it. Not not if we just started running it properly well, this year. Well, how how how? Or the, not if yeah. we just started get organizing an initiative this year to do it right. I think we lost. Um, we, you know, there there is nothing that can be done at scale in 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 that's in Chicago or New York or any place else because it's so bleeped up in the first place. We lost eighty thousand people last year. In, in the city of Chicago. I think that's the number I read. All right, so the idea that if, if 30,000 show up this year, it's unmanageable. No, it's not that simple, Tom. I, it's not that simple. Nothing's ever that simple because nobody's doing it. Why did the 80,000 people leave? That's, that's Some my point. Some of them left because they didn't like it, but a whole lot of them left because they couldn't make do here. That's right. So when you have people who can't make do here and you think you can replace them with other people who can't make do here... That's a problem. What my, I'm not uh, not being argumentative. I don't think. Uh, what I'm what I'm trying to say is, it's just another another symptom of what the problems already are. Is what I'm trying to say. You know, we we had, we had some guy uh, uh, on one of the one of the uh, it's happened to be a black alderman talking about these uh, these permanent tent facilities or something, and. The uh, and he was and he's opining that this the, this can't work because what what's everybody going to do in the wintertime? Well, first of all, I'm not I'm not into tent cities other than a temporary. If you if you house three thousand people in some tents, they they they, they grab a, a you know a a trade of some kind. Even if you teach people how to work in restaurants, whatever it is, and all of a sudden they can get their own apartment after two months. I you know that that's a solution. The guy goes off about. The buildings and how they you can't heat them. I'm thinking, where 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 do people just opine on stuff when they know nothing about it? We've, a Butler building has been in existence since before World War II. They go up very fast. Everybody doesn't know what a, a Butler building. It's a pre-engineered metal building, typically used for light industrial purposes, characterized by pre-engineered metal walls and/or wood pole bar construction. We played basketball and won in St. Bernadette's for 25 years, and it was it heated fine. I mean, you know, just 
if if, we, if you're going to say something, is it is it the the perfect ideal? And what I'm saying, Kevin, is is when things are running poorly, any little problem's a problem. If things are running properly, I had a perfect interesting example. We were trading the OEX pit, of course. Whenever you're trading, stuff happens all the time, and uh, so. Uh, one of the young ladies who was a clerk, she was a character. Anastasia was her name, hence the name Stacy. Uh, she's run up and down the aisle. Evidently, she's cooking dinner for six of her friends or something. And the girl's 25 years old, 23, somewhere in there. Up and down, up and down, this and that. And she's got to do all this stuff. Finally, finally, Danny Callahan, who had a, comes from a family of nine kids, turns around and goes, My mom cooked for 11 every night. Would you shut up? This is not that big of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes down to point of view, Kevin. If we had what the stuff that you're doing, and as Dan Danita said the other day, he listens to you, by the way, all the time, and he goes, the stuff Kevin's doing, that should be being done as well in the high schools. And I know you're trying to get them into the high schools and having some success in Indiana. But here, these kids come out of these places knowing nothing, Kevin. They're, they're not college prep. They can't talk. They can't add. They can't multiply. And, oh, by the way, they don't have a trade. I mean, what what is what is exactly our eighteen grand a year doing? So yes, if you put two extra people in that school, you got a problem. Not ten thousand, right? Mm-hmm. Got a problem with the people that are there right. already. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I don't see any massive clamor for these places to be open at night where people can learn a trade. It seems like everybody just wants a check. Not everybody. Some people. I mean, it's 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 this program, that program. Everybody wants this. I I don't see some massive clamor. I'll, I'll tell you this, if you showed up, I, my, my suspicions are, now again, I tell you this, my suspicions are that if you put one of these encampments, for lack of a better term, and you showed up with a, a yellow bus and said, 25 hours an hour, we're going up to pick up papers in the uh, in, a, in a forest reserve, that bus is jammed. I don't know you get that in some of the other neighborhoods in this city. Surely you wouldn't get it in a white neighborhood. What do you mean? What do you mean? You expect me to go out and work for the day? I'm not doing that. Well, so so here's here's the thing. First of all, um, as you know, I, I very much loathe this idea of we have a black community, we have a Hispanic community, oh, me too. we have a LGBT, many other alphabets. Uh, um, don't forget the plus. Uh, don't forget the plus. Uh, and, and don't forget the plus uh, with a plus or minus, give or take. Yeah. Um, so it, we have all of these communities. And we're going nowhere unless that stops. And, and it's not about to stop. Um, but we're going nowhere because that's just dividing people. Yep. That's just, you know, uh, uh, othering people. And we and, and so that needs to go away. The first thing has to be that we do things. It, first of all, if one group has a problem, we all have a problem. But aside from that, um, if, uh, uh, you know, the, the things we do, we do for everybody. And, and what does that mean? Well, it, it means that if I'm going to have a, a, a jobs program or a technical training program or any of those kinds of things, then I'm going to do it. It's, it's not going to be, here's a program for, uh, um, for one racial group. It's a program for everybody. If it disproportionately benefits one racial group because they have more people who need the jobs training, cool. But the minute you start engineering things for individual groups, then you're going back into this whole othering process and you're guaranteeing that it's not going to work well. It's going to be totally inefficient, especially when it is 
the program for black people designed by white people, uh, <laughs> or yeah. the program for Hispanics designed. You know, it, I mean, it, it's gonna it, it's gonna be this uh, patriarchal. Well, it's designed uh, by point people. of view for the whole thing, and what you really need is you need to say what does the city of Chicago's economy need? What does the state of Illinois' economy need? Good. Let's do the things that are going to benefit the whole operation, and then bring everybody along for the ride. Well, I think as I've gotten more cynical, it's not just somebody who's well-meaning designing a program that doesn't work it's somebody who's who's benefiting financially from the program and and, and does never want the program to stop i mean if you've or, got or or they're just get you know getting guaranteed employment for life well if, yeah if uh, you've got a, if you've got a massive job program going on in an area you don't want everybody to have a job because now you don't have a program yeah so but but power is you know power is just as good as as money in some cases yeah we have this whole this whole group of people that are these middlemen it's it's you know, it's actually, I don't want to use the guy's name, well, I guess I'm going to have to use so everybody knows what I'm talking about. It, it's really no different than the uh, Joe Biden, uh, what do they used to call him, the, uh, during the effort of the Civil War, the carpetbagger. It's, no, mm-hmm. it's kind of no different than all the people who follow our money, our money, U.S. Uh, money that goes to countries overseas and people, <clears throat> you know, run run with it. Uh, to uh, somehow make sure it's all done properly, as long as they get some, it's the same thing. I mean, if you can't, you can't give money to to the black community or the Hispanic or the white community for that matter, without having a bunch of chumps in the middle grabbing half of it because it's their program, that their organizers or this, there's there's something, and uh, it's it's really, you know, it's uh, our your I won't say your hero, but uh, your your buddy Tricky Dick Nixon. Um, remember him? Everybody loved Everybody Tricky loved Tricky Dick. Dick. But the uh, uh, one of the things he did, and this is a, it, it didn't get anywhere. Um, it got a lot of debate in, in the universities at the time, uh, where I was, and uh, it was he had something called the negative income tax, and this was a was a a uh, response, I guess. Uh, uh, Kevin to Lyndon Johnson's War on Poverty, which was his massive program to take on poverty in the country, and uh, I think the only program left from that. Uh, Andrew, look this up, will you? Uh, see if you can Google uh, uh, war, Lyndon Johnson's War on Poverty enduring programs. I'm going to say the only enduring program is Head Start, out of all the programs that were in that bill, and the interesting part about it is they're trying to do this for this group, do this for this group. I mean, I'm going to say, Kevin, on, on the surface of it, it was somewhat well-meaning, maybe like the Patriot Act. But if you dug into it, the amount of thumbs and fingers in the pie it almost guaranteed you that it was not going to be long-lasting anywhere. If you really read the, I mean, I didn't read the detail, but as time went by, I read a lot about it. So the, the standing joke at every university was if you would have, taken all the money spent on the war on poverty, divided it by the amount of poor people and sent them a check, you wouldn't have any poverty. So that's one of the things that kind of pushes my vision on some of this stuff. If it's just wasted, it's just wasted. And the uh, that's why I, I mean I brag all the time about we're supposed to have the ability in this city to have a dirty bomb go off and 50,000 people being moved and housed for six weeks 
uh, effortlessly. We don't have any of that. I don't, where did the money go? So anyway, Tricky Dick comes up with something called the negative income tax. And it was designed, which just took all that, all that crap out of, not, of its, not, of its, not all crap, all that stuff out of the, out of the mix, you know, and, and brought up this huge moral hazard to people. And uh, the idea was if you, I don't care what you did, if you, if you sat on the sofa in your, in your, in your wife beater T-shirt and, and watched bear reruns for the last 40 years drinking a beer, they oh didn't God, care. Oh, God, that'd be awful. Oh, God, it would be awful. <laughs> um, they, if you sent in, I didn't make a dime last year. They sent you a check for, I think it was like seven grand. Yeah, whatever it was, it and, was subsistence. And, and, if, and if you went out and made 500 bucks, you got a check for 6,800. So everything you did accretive, they didn't take dollar for dollar. So if you got a job, it still was worth it getting a job, even if you made 1,000 bucks, you know, shoveling somebody's snow or something. So right, the, you, didn't, you didn't get cut off so that effectively you, you gave up. You know, it, it, it's like if you gave up uh, earnings this week of... Uh, of a hundred dollars to make a hundred and twenty, then that means you worked for twenty. Yeah, uh, and and he didn't build it that way. No, he built it that everything he did was accretive, and and uh, you know, and, and, and of course the moral hazard of paying people that just flat out said, "I'm not friggin' working. Screw you guys." I, but I want to check. But, but we do that anyway. But, so. Okay, but but I'm saying it it, w- it was designed to do that. Now it's supposed to be you got a disability, you got this, you got there's some program. With somebody showing up to see if you're okay, not, I mean, there, there's all there's. At the at the end of the day, as much as I don't really like sending checks to people, and I'm not saying this program was without flaw. Every program has a flaw. There 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 definitely is a, a different way of looking at it. Do we always have to make sure somebody checks on somebody and he makes money or she makes money so we can? I mean, there's this constant fingers in the pie that all of a sudden you've got this massive group of people that are also making checks on this in addition to giving other people checks and guess what that's all a waste uh, you know i guess in my opinion well what does every business in the world try to minimize uh, as much as they can i mean they do try and squeeze their variable costs out but you have to manage the overhead when the overhead gets bloated that's when you really get screwed except if it's a government it just keeps growing if it's a government it just keeps growing but in in the real world um, you know, and and where are the cuts? You know, when when somebody has to cut back, where do they go? Well, they go right to overhead expenses. So, well, I mean, we just but it's not just. With, I mean, it's because it's because that's where the bloat always is. Well, <laughs> you know, but it's, it, it's that simple. But what we have, I mean, I, I think government probably has always been like that. I mean, but I think what we have going here, Kevin, and we, and we touch on it a lot, especially with. Uh, with Carl and somewhat, maybe with Hal, if, he, if anybody you know, really understands what he's talking about economically in terms of... But the, 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 the difference I see now is uh, government has kind of always been, not to this degree, but, it, but it's been like this. But now we have all these, I'll say these monopoly, cartel, oligopoly groups in, of industries with their nose firmly up the ass of government that are becoming very government-like in the sense that Let's take our alma mater. We always beat up on them. I mean, I mean, I think the tuition in Notre Dame, if you put it in a CPI from the time we were there, should be twenty-five grand. Call it thirty. Maybe you got to do some more services for people, uh, and it's seventy-five or eighty, right? So if you walked in there now today and said, "We're going to get this down to thirty-five, and uh, and we're going to say, "Well, gee, in, in our in our day, uh, there were." Um, five people in uh, 
what, what do you call the people that the, the endowment side or the or the uh, running around pestering people for money side. We're going to give you six. By the way, you've got 50 or 100. Get them to bleep out of here. We don't need them. Or you're going to go to the... What do you think the, the, the sports department, the amount of people that, that used to work for Moose Krause with virtually the same amount of teams, maybe not as many... Well, there was many no, no teams. definitely not. Well, but not as many women. Well, there weren't any women's teams. Okay, well, well and, and, and all kinds of other... Uh, you know what they call Olympic sports, which uh, um, they they didn't have as varsity. All right, sports so I'm gonna I'm gonna say that number should be first of all, do you need them? Okay, if you or, or you can you do it because because the uh, do we really need to be given? You're doing it to justify not paying your football team. Well, I mean that's you're also using to justify a lot of stuff. But my one of my point is, do, I'll, I'll bet the amount of people working for this guy is in excess of ten times what would. What we work for Moose Cross. Does it have to be ten times, or could it be three times? I mean, I mean, it, you know, you're oh, going with this. You I mean, want to, you want to see something funny? Go to LSU's website and just go in the uh, staff directory and look at the football staff there. I mean, Brian Kelly's got like forty people working for him. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I mean, do we it, really? Yeah. What do you suppose the state of Illinois bloated thing looks like? Or the University of Illinois? I mean, you and I could walk through there and say. Wow, in 1984, you had 30 people in this department. Now you've got 250. What do they all do all day? I mean, I mean, and you wonder why these. It's not. It's not just <clears throat> the 75 grand. You get the 75 grand. You find a way to spend it, and you actually think you need it. And yet, if you're right back down to, I mean, imagine if you walked into one of these places, Notre Dame, Illinois, any place, and say, okay. Let me get this straight. How, how much do you pay the average professor? We're not talking about adjunct or whatever. Well, you probably have to put that in the average. We pay the average professor hundred grand, which is probably really high when you count the adjuncts, right? Let's say it's hundred grand. Okay, how many people are in the average class? Well, forty. Some are two hundred. Some are twenty. Let's say for if you work if, through, yeah, the, it's not that high. But go on. But 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 if you work through uh, the math, you're going to say. Okay, the variable cost for this person is going to be, you know, X per class. It's probably going to be five hundred a class, if that, right? I mean, what, uh, per stu- a variable cost per student. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I I prepare the same thing if I have a class for six students as if I have a class for twenty six uh, students. The only difference is grading, and they all have TAs to do the grading. So. Well, what yeah. I'm saying is, I, I don't. They if do. you actually went down. Th- what is what is it? What would it cost you and I to buy an old high school? Well, not very much, except the neighbor would be pissed at us. And put Eric, our professor, or you in there with a class of thirty people. What are we paying Eric? What does it cost? How many classes does he teach? And what is the real cost of education? And give, leave all the rest of the stuff aside for a while, because that is the cost of education. Oh, wait a minute! You need you need ice cream sundae things at the, at the in the, in the uh, in the uh, cafeteria, or else the girls will get pissed off. Or if you don't have the taco bar, the guys are. P- God, Kevin, that that's that's not what it happens. It, it, it fills up to meet your your number, right? If you if you give somebody forty grand for a company car, they're going to spend forty, and guess what? Every everything in there they need after a year. It it just grows. But it, but if it if it grows with your money, it's one thing. If it's your firm, it's your house, and you want to put gold faucets in there, knock yourself out. But if it's other people's money, now you got a problem because the other people are having trouble. 
And, and, and I agree. Now, I, I will also say, because I, I'm around it a lot, things like, you know, a, a vibrant student life group that has uh, different kinds of, it, it doesn't have to be activities and clubs so much as there just has to be some level of student engagement that is non-academic because that's an indicator of student success. Um, that when students get more engaged with the campus, they are more successful. It doesn't mean I need a climbing wall, um, but it does mean that I need some, you know, some kinds of uh, student organizations and uh, and other ways for them to connect with their campus. And and it's different for you know residential versus non-residential. We have a hard time, you know, uh, uh, with with many students because everybody's a commuter, and so if we say here's an activity. Um, uh, you know, I, I need you to come back to campus one more time. That's difficult for people that have jobs and families. Right. But on the other hand, I, I'm a faculty advisor to, um, you know, an honor society group uh, uh, called the National Society of Leadership and Success. <laughs> Excuse me for coughing. <laughs> Um, Why don't you hold that the, thought? We're over on break anyway. Hold okay, yeah, I'll talk okay. a little more about that and how we deal with it because we, we, we do have to, uh, uh, you know, we do want those students involved. So, yeah, go ahead, take the SP break. SP Futures we'll, we'll down 350, NASDAQ Futures down 650. Big numbers coming out at 730 CPI. For 30 years, this is a number nobody looked at. Now it's the big number. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now.
Welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howie. Andrew on the board. SP Futures down four. And NASDAQ Futures down 11. So we're down a little bit. Again, yesterday was bizarre. Bizarre. I'll, just, I'll, put, I'll put up here. We were down. Uh, the NASDAQ uh, cash was only down 144. It was up 165 the day before. But the futures were down almost the exact same amount as they were the day before. Yesterday, Dow was down 17. S&P down 25. NASDAQ down 144. So instead of 1.1%, it was 1.04%. Really... It was about a crazy U-turn. Uh, in Europe, got the DAX down 138.9%, a little bit of catch-up here. FTSE down 35.5%, CAC around down 64.9%. Uh, the uh, auto shed is U- EU announces China probe. I don't know what that's all about, but maybe we'll find out. Over in Asia, we got the Nikkei, which was up a bunch yesterday, down 69 today, but that's only 0.2%. Hang Seng down 16, but somehow hanging over 18,000, 18,009. Shanghai down 13.5%. Uh, bonds up four basis points, 4.30. I think the record of this run a few months ago was 4.36, and it's kind of heading right there. The Bund up four basis points, 2.67. Uh, Japan unchanged uh, at 0.71. And that's caused them a, a big difference, a big flip between the uh, Japanese yen and the U.S. dollar. A lot of the dollar movement is causing a lot of what's going on here. Uh, oil, which has been running every day, is up another 56 cents, 89.40. Rent up 55 cents, 92.61. Natural gas up a penny, 275. We're going to have $100 oil here pretty soon. Maybe, hope not. Uh, Arvab uh, down a penny at 271. We've got gold, which hasn't been going anywhere, down another 50 cents, 19.34. Silver down 20 cents, 23.19. Uh, copper unchanged at 379. We have Bitcoin up 70 bucks, 26,171. It's had a pretty good week, and we've got the U.S. dollar uh, up slightly. With the euro at 107 and the pound at 124.7. Uh, Andrew, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? All right, it is uh, 7.40 here in Chicago. Starting off with some sports. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Let's see, we had some... Uh, some uh, uh, Cubs lose. Yeah, basically that's it. Uh, the White Sox won, though, over the Royals. Uh, doubleheader, 6-2. to two. Uh, I'm a little bit behind right now. Here yeah, we go. Yeah, the second game. Sox split, actually. Yeah. Uh, and 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 all thirty people that were there uh, cheered wildly for it. Oh, plus I have to remind remind me to give Kevin a bunch of crap about being Mister uh, Internet and everything is better online kind of guy. But go ahead. Alrighty, what I'm not behind on is the weather. We are currently at 59 degrees here in Chicago. We have a little bit of a cloudy skies. We're gonna have a high of 50. Excuse me, 65 today. And over in Phoenix, they're currently at 77 today. Uh, cloudy skies as well. They're gonna have a high of 97. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, we have a little bit more in the red than usual today. Uh, if you're coming in on the inbound Eisenhower, that looks like where you might have the most worry. Uh, you can expect some traffic and a little bit of delays from Wedgwood Avenue all the way to about Western Avenue, and that's on the inbound. Let's see, if you're on the outbound uh, on Eisenhower, right around uh, 45 South, uh, it was an earlier accident. Expect delays up to one hour around that area, so it's relocating off to Wolf Road. Other than that, we have a little bit of uh, slowdowns near the Kennedy Construction. Uh, that's from about Austin Avenue, nearly all the way to downtown, but also about Green Greenview Avenue. Uh, nearly the same if you're going on the outbound. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Um, two things, Kevin. Let's finish our, our thought on the other stuff. And it, by the way, as you know, we, I, I just I argue with you just because it's uh, it's challenging and it's good radio. Nobody liked being with our friends and being able to you know, play basketball or football, whatever we did every day at Notre Dame, and be involved in the stuff and go to the 
the blues concerts at night in La Fortune when they had them and stuff. I mean, I I loved all that stuff. I loved having the parties. I loved meeting the people. I loved all that stuff. But and I and I think there's a huge benefit to that. Yet, I think there's there's somewhat of a, of a limit to it. Kevin, I, I, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. That's what I said. You don't need the climbing wall. You don't, you know, uh, you you don't need luxury. You need things to do, things that bring people together. Well, and again, one of the somewhat examples of this, if, if you look at grad school, and and uh, grad school is kind of a totally different animal because for a lot of mm-hmm. people, it's just get me the education as cheap as you can and get me to hell home. Uh, I mean, I, there was a um, yeah. You got, I mean, you you have people who are like my student profile. They they have families and they have jobs. Yeah, if it's two hours, two hours. I don't need to. I'd, maybe I'd love to go play basketball afterward at the rack or someplace, but I don't have the time. Don't charge me for it, type of thing. Uh, but there was there was a guy. Uh, I I was quoted in after nine eleven, right? Um, actually, it wasn't nine eleven. It was a uh, two thousand seven. Uh, and some of the people on uh, TV, one of them, uh, you know. Uh, Pete Nigerian, uh, good friend. He was on CNBC and they were talking about this is before Bear Stearns went under. And it was like, it was, you know, the stock had been, I'm thinking, 70, it's a long time ago, but somewhere around 70. It drops to like 32 or something on like a Wednesday. And, uh, and those, you know, so everybody's, everybody's buying like the, the $15 puts for that Friday or some ridiculous thing. And Pete said he thought down there Bear Stearns was a, was a buy. Which, of course, ended up being a ridiculous thing to say, except I don't blame Pete, because how would, how would, how would Pete know that Bear Stearns was essentially cheating on their, their reports and didn't disclose the fact that they had off these off-balance sheet companies that essentially took the place down? I mean, there's no way he would know that. He, he's trusting the fact that they have an auditor and they find this stuff. Well, they didn't. So, so anyway... Well, welcome to the world of yeah, Enron. Yeah, welcome to the world of Enron. And... Uh, by the way, they, they didn't invent that stuff. The railroads did. A lot of the stuff they did was right of the railroad book. Anyway, uh, so I was quoted by on one of the things by saying, uh, when people on a, on a Wednesday in a stock trade in 32 start buying the 20 puts at massive stuff, somebody's got some information on something that other people don't have. It's just, it's just not something you, even if you thought the company was in really bad shape, you'd give yourself more than two or three days for it to go to zero, which it basically did. I mean, there was, I said, this is not a normal trade, was essentially my, my quote. And it got picked up somewhere and somewhere. So finally, um, Sarah, who was working here, quote, does a Google, she always did Google on our stuff to find out who was, who was using our quotes and so forth. And uh, turns out a Notre Dame professor had put that in one of his ethics tests. The, the story of, of uh, Bear Stearns and uh, my quote. So uh, Sarah contacts the guy, and it just so happened, like two months later, it was one of our reunions. So I go meet the guy for a beer. I'm, I'm talking to him, and he starts telling me. I said, you know, I can't, I can't get over. He, I said, where'd you go to? Where'd you go to grad school? You're in Chicago, blah, blah. And I said, I can't believe how much it costs now. And uh, he said, What do you mean? People, people were turning away people. So if you, you know, if you use that logic, and he said, but he goes, you have no idea how much money we make. Do they still do this now that they have Zoom? The the, uh, the the Irish had a place in like Schaumburg or somewhere. It was in the shopping center. It was it was a classroom for lack of a better term, right? Kevin, they used to call that a satellite campus or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, 
the problem we're having is some of these companies are doing so poorly they're cutting back on paying for people's MBA programs. And he said, we charge those people not being on campus, not with all the stuff you're talking about, the same amount we do on campus. He goes, that's, that's our biggest moneymaker here, and by far. We're charging these people five grand a class to show up two nights a week in a, in a shopping center, in a strip mall. And, and I know in the University of Chicago, when I went as a graduate, I was at home. Uh, I mean, I lived at home during that. I, you know, I didn't, didn't need another two. I just wanted to get out of there with my MBA, and I was working on weekends and on truck docks. And I played an hour of basketball between classes. That's, that's all the student life I got. The people downtown weren't even doing that. I mean, you, you're going to class one night a week after, after working all day and dying and, and, and hating every minute of it because it's not even air-conditioned. Uh, I mean, those, you, you know, those people just want in and out. So somewhere there's, there's, there's a combo there, Kevin. I mean, if you're going to go to law school in one building and sit there for five years and you, I just want my law degree, I don't want the basketball court, I don't want, the, I don't want any of that crap, just get me the hell out of here as fast as you can, that's, that's the number you... You can't go so far away from it. It can't be like triple or quadruple or ten times what that number is. And I think that's where we are, is what I'm saying. We're, we're just too far. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I do agree with you. And so, you know, what I was telling you is, um, you know, with, with our program, um, they, they do uh, some orientation and some leadership training. And, and you know, we have, a, we have a whole lot that is... Um, is part of the uh, curriculum, but one of the things that the students in this organization have to do is um, uh, is attend three speaker broadcasts from the national organization, and uh, and and normally it's designed that you do that live. I don't bring them to campus for that. We set it up over Zoom. Everybody comes into my Zoom account. I rebroadcast the speaker broadcast out to them. We all hang out and have discussions. But we keep we keep everybody engaged that way, and so you know there there are the tools to do that, um, and you know these speakers are you know they're really good. I mean let, you know we've had uh, you know three presidents, we've had Clinton and we've had Bush and we've had Obama. Um, you know we get some uh, famous people like uh, Jamie Fox or somebody like that. Um, we've had uh, Andrew McConaughey. We had Bill Gates, which was a weird experience. Mark oh, yeah. Cuban. Oh, yeah. Um, Mark Cuban. Um, that had to be weird too. You know, uh, Valerie Jarrett, Tiki yeah. Barber, etc. So, I mean, th- this is this is a you know a pretty good cast of characters, and, and these you know they're all live speakers, and and so you know these are the kinds of activities that you can do that aren't ungodly expensive to do, and then we have a little budget for our induction ceremony where they can come in and they can bring their families and we have some nice you know finger foods and soft drinks and things like that and and have a nice ceremony and honor all our people when they complete the program you know to me that's what student life is about um it you know it it is those kinds of things and yes it is some recreational stuff uh as well but you can you know you you just you know this is to keep students engaged with the school because that keeps them engaged with their academic plans as well and I, and I think that's you know that's the importance of it. Um, now you know how you would do that if we go back to saying, well, we're going to buy one of the old school buildings and we're going to set up. Our, I don't know, you know, I don't know what I would incorporate as part of that process and what I would not. But there should be something that is in addition to just taking classes. I think I would agree, and I I, I really, I mean, I'm, as you know, I'm always on this. I would have loved at Marist. I mean, of course, I was in the, you know, whatever the. Uh, 
for lack of a better term, college prep. They didn't have any. I guess they did have mechanical drawing in a couple of classes that the the guys who weren't Niners took. Uh, when I when I got to Pullman, people rolling out these drawings. I I would have I would have given anything to have taken a mechanical drawing class or something in, in high school and be able to read the damn things instead of sitting there bobbing my head like I knew what I was talking about. I mean, I don't see I don't see why somebody in honors doesn't take a woodworking class. I should have. I would have loved it. I mean, I, I, I I've always been kind of this cross sort of thing that just because you're studying doesn't mean you don't know how to put a nail in a, in a piece of wood. I mean, uh, I, I I guess I don't know. I, I, most people probably don't agree with that, but I mean, I I, I honestly think the I guess here. I guess where I'm heading with the Chicago situation, Kevin. I'm, you know, this mayor's only been here a little while, and so are the new aldermen. We got all kinds of new aldermen. Kevin, they're they're just they seem incompetent. They're, I mean, I one of my uh, my buddies, you've met him. He uh, he knows the one of the mayor's assistants. The guy's been there forever. I don't think he's a deputy mayor. He goes, this guy is like never there. He's always at some community thing, always talking, always doing something. He thinks that's being mayor. He said, "Where Daly, if Daly was riding home from a dinner that he had to give a speech at or something, and, and his thing hit a bump, he'd pick up his phone and call this head streets and sand guy and say, hey, there's a friggin' bump on State Street I want it fixed tomorrow. And, you know, nobody wants that call at 11 o'clock at night, but the fact is, his view of the city working is totally different than... Some people's, which is just constantly talking about this program, they getting this. I mean, Matty, well, and, and and look, if if you see your job as that figurehead role, is that is that your primary responsibility is to be out and be visible? Then you damn well better have some people who work for you that are going to handle the details, and they're going to be fanatic about it. I mean, this at some point somewhere, this is going to sound awful. The the problems in the communities where the schools are faltering, and and I and I don't want that. I, w- I want this this to all get better. But let me just say that the message for anybody with who has this sounds awful, who has a job, and I don't care if you're black, white, blue, whatever color you happen to be, orange. Anybody who thinks this the solution is totally to go from eighteen thousand a student to twenty two thousand a student. And then to 25, and then to 30, and teachers getting a raise. If anybody thinks that's the solution with no change to anything else, Kevin, I'm sorry, it's just not. What, what are we? What, what, how are we spending the money now? How are we doing? What are we dealing with? Is it are, we, are the drug problems so overwhelming that the kids can't even study? Is everybody on drugs? What 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 is the full uh, the parents? The parenting yeah, situation. What are you, so you going to use this money to do yeah. differently? Yeah, but, you know, but, how are you going to use this money to do something differently? Is 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 your but question? Is, is the parenting, and, and what yeah. results should I expect from that? And how did you test that out and prove it out so that I know that making the investment is worthwhile? Yeah, it, it may now, be that would be a different way to uh, look at uh, at how you uh, uh, at how you spend money in government. Well, you know what I think you might find out. Boy, I hope this isn't true. You might find out that in some neighborhoods. The drug and parenting and gang problem is so bad that the idea of having a traditional school where somebody shows up at nine and leaves at three can't possibly work. I hope that's not the truth, but maybe you actually have to uh, have you you are childcare as well as uh, education. But at some point, you might need to um, have places out of the city where people can go and actually live there and learn and do stuff and be taken out of that environment. I hope we're not there, but 
at some point here, this this is this is not working, and I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure it can work. Well, you know, we we actually do have the mindset now that uh, is allowing people to do that because in some states now they are uh, are either evaluating or have passed legislation that says if you don't support your child who wants to uh, transition. Um, then we have the right to take the child away from you. So, you know, the, uh, the mindset is there. It's just rather misdirected, isn't it? Well, I, I, you know, I, I hope we don't get there either because we are not going to uh, let the state tell people how they have to raise their kids. No, uh, except if, as long as you don't do child, as long as you don't neglect well, your I, children, then I think some of the some of these kids don't really even have a family. I mean, what I'd like to try is something very positive, like in the summertime for two or three weeks. Let's let's go somewhere, do some classes, uh, whatever. Do do uh you know, do some kind of ex- experiments. We're planting stuff. We're doing this. We're doing that. Whatever it is, learn how to do those kinds of things, and just be away from the bullets for three weeks. But it, I don't think that would be a problem. It might be very beneficial. But I'm always willing. You don't know, I always want to try something on a on a, on a small scale. I want to if I want to try a a trade. And I'm not sure it's going to work. Well, let's do it ten times. I don't have to do it a hundred times. Let's do it ten. See what happens. And if it, if it's going sour, I'll fix it. I mean, let, I mean that mindset is not there. We, we we don't do stuff. We just talk. I, I you know if they if they if they came up with ten different programs for next summer in these in the neighborhoods that have a problem, and even the neighborhoods that don't have a problem. I mean, maybe somebody else might say the hell. I, I want to go. I want to go to Iowa and learn how to farm for three weeks or something. Uh, I uh, let up let like you say let everybody go. And if somebody wants to go, you go. And if you misbehave, you take them home. Uh, I mean, I'd, if there were ten different programs, I'd try all ten. And if and if four of them worked, two of them, eh, and four of them didn't work, guess what? We got four. We we got four. We concentrate on next summer. We've, well, we've that, this is how uh, continuous improvement works in general. So yeah, why wouldn't you do that with uh, other programs? And I uh, just, but I mean, somewhere along the line here, the, the numbers have to match up, and and we have to get. I mean, when you look at these, yesterday we were talking about the federal deficit. Somehow or another, we got to get three or four or five million people out of the not doing anything column into the into the column that's doing something, or else the rest of the people can't pay for the other people. Social Security, whatever it is, there's just we need we need a what the our participation rate is 62 percent. It needs to be what 68 for us to be positive, 70. I mean, these, this is these are real problems. And, and, and they come, they're coming down all the way through society. The numbers, it doesn't stop in one spot. I mean, what do, what do you suppose the, the, the positive-negative uh, tax flow is out of Inglewood or Austin or Roseland now, or Woodland? I mean... Oh, it, it, yeah, I, I, I couldn't even hazard a guess at the number. Yeah, I mean, the, you, you can't do that. You, you've, you've got to get 30% people... Uh, trained with a decent job and all of a sudden be on the contributing part because you know the constant idea that that you know i mean some of the organizers and people have you ever had a job what do you mean i'm an organizer. no have you ever had a job i mean that you're not on the government dole i mean got to stop this kevin because we don't other people don't have the dough let's just put it that way it's not a question whether you want to or don't it just come this comes out yeah, there. We don't have it to spend. So, yeah. Um, well, how, hey, something you, before you kick me out of here, there's probably something we should mention. Um, and that is, we uh, uh, we ha- may have had some listeners who tuned in expecting to hear Ryan Flynn. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 
and uh, uh, we, we had to reschedule that to Friday. So uh, we, we will get back to uh, blockchain and cryptocurrencies and all of that kind of uh, uh, topic, and that'll, that'll be our, our preoccupation on Friday when we get together. And, and Ryan is an absolute encyclopedia on how it all works, the protections, the, uh, and how he thinks that uh, uh, a lot of international trade, um, actually my accountant, who's a real smart guy, is convinced that this mechanism is going to eventually overtake the SWIFT system, which is how international money flows now, because he says it's cheaper and it's easier. Now, I'm sure Ryan can comment on that. I don't, I don't know if they're there yet, but... Uh, oh, no, not, you know. not there yet, but it, it's, it's, it's evolutionary. But, you know, like, like most evolutions, it will happen uh, um, gradually and then suddenly, you know, <laughs> and that's, that's just... Well, the simple. only questions I have for Ryan, and I, I'm not going to... I'm gonna let him. I'm gonna do my best to let him talk. Somebody, I'll have to get him with a muzzle on or something. But uh, because I, he, I want to let him talk about this because I, st- I still have issues with whenever anybody designs something new, and they're they're totally outside. I would say the current laws. Not that the current laws are correct or not. I, I, what I'm gonna have to ask him is, is if, is if if PTI, if uh, all of a sudden we we send a statement home and it returned to sender three months in a row, if, if we can't track you down, it might not be three months, it might be six, if we can't track you down, as you still being alive or whatever, and you know, we're going to try, and obviously we talk to our clients a lot, we have to, the clearing firm has to, has to kick that money to the state in, in the, the treasury, you know, what do they call that? Yeah, it becomes abandoned property, yeah. you have to escheat it. So the, the idea that Bitcoin can go forever where if Kevin or I, uh, you know, bought $50,000 worth of Bitcoin eight years ago and forgot our password, the idea that that money could stand outside all these laws forever, I, I don't see how those two sit next to each other. I mean, uh, one, we have to... Well, keep- I, I agree, and, and the way that'll happen is when you get a uh, U.S.-denominated cryptocurrency, you know, that's run by the Federal Reserve, it's just not something I want. No, I don't either. As, as you'll learn, as everybody will learn when we discuss cryptocurrencies, this idea that they're completely anonymous is not true. Um, everything is traceable, and because everything is traceable, um, that means that every move you make uh, would be traceable by the federal government, which we, of course, trust not to ever overreach. Oh, God, no, no. Um, that, that could never happen. Well, the question I will ask, I'll ask Ryan on the air, because I asked him when I was talking to him, I said, because he's all about everything that's ever been done in there is traceable that it's that good of a system and i said okay if that's the case suppose two knuckleheads like kevin and i walked into the currency exchange in beverly wherever the hell there was a vending machine selling bitcoin and we foolishly put 20 grand in there and neither one of us since we're getting up there remember our password now if everything's traceable why can't i go someplace and say on or about September, where are we? September 13th, uh, 2004, or five or sometime, in, in this currency exchange, this machine at this time, we put 20 grand in there and now we forgot our password. How, if, everything, if everything's traceable down to a Nat's ass, how is it they can't, uh, somebody can't find that and say, yeah, it looks like there was a $20,000 sale here, nobody's ever touched it again, it's never been touched, obviously nobody, somebody doesn't have the password. If it's all traceable, how come it not be traceable? It can't be both, Kevin. 
Uh, I, I agree. I, you know, and, and yeah, we can talk about that because he'll know more about that. Absolutely. SP Futures no. down a buck and a half. NASDAQ Futures down four. I, my guess is we'll be about even when these numbers come out. We'll see how that works out. Kevin, talk to you on Friday. Should be fun. Uh, we can take a short break. We'll be right back with the professor, Russell Rhodes. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 3456, that's 708-349-3456, or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, Something happening here. Hello, everybody. Stocks and Jocks. I'm Andrew on the board. SP Futures down one. NASDAQ Futures up. Uh, call it flat or flip and flip of minus 50 to plus 50 um, as we've got both the September and the Decembers traded. The Septembers are going to go off the board this week. It'll just be Decembers. But right now, I think I think they flip tomorrow. Russell will know. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling I don't up. know. I just, I just know that you just reminded me that I've got to roll all my... September short index futures to December. Thank you. Yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, uh, there you go. I think uh, they, I think I think it's Thursday morning. They they trade the opening and that's it. Something like that. Or, uh-huh. I don't know. So, we'll, we'll, eh, I'll I'll take a look at the volume today and whatever. How are you? I'm doing. I'm I was, doing good. Uh, I was in New York at the Global Volatility Summit yesterday. Well, there is a group. Isn't I wanna, that exciting? I'll bet there is a group you want to party with. I, you know what? The thing is, those are my people. Oh god! I, 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 come, I mean, I've got like tw- I counted just for the heck of it. I have twenty-seven pages of notes from a one-day conference. Wow! Yeah, and you know what? The smart people were all bearish this time last year, and I think they're all bullish now. So what do we do? Uh, so yeah, I'm kidding about that part. Yeah, no, it's really but. A lot, lot of smart people there. A lot of, lot of people from from your former exchange talking about how people are using, utilizing VIX, what they think is going to happen to VIX, et cetera. Things what, like uh, that. What, but let's talk to her about that because I want to talk to you. I've, about I've never gotten to go to that conference before. The last consulting firm I'm, or the consulting firm I'm winding down my time with, EQ Derivatives, uh, they do competing conferences. 
so I was a competitor. Oh. Um, but I, this is this is an event I've always wanted to go to. And then I wasn't high enough in the packing order. I didn't didn't have enough dirt on upper management, so I never got to go to uh, go to it when I was at SIBO. Um, okay, I was just a. Now is this is this a a pre conference? This is like going to a prep school before you go to Davos or Jackson Hole. God, I wish that that would be not. That, that's not quite the direction, unless um, you know. I think the only way I could ever get an invite to Davos or Jackson Hole is if, you know, if, if basically if the volatility market pulled down the rest of the market and they wanted somebody to come explain it. I'm not rooting for that, but boy, that would be a, that would be a fun trip, wouldn't it? I would, I would love to, you could go do all that stuff. I would just plant my behind at the bar and people would come sit next to me, just talk to them. I'll bet I'd talk to them. I'd have more stories than you, you got in class. But you know what? What's funny about that is yesterday evening, I was just I, I was I met with someone else that, that that and I was going over my thoughts on the conference, and um, the person I was with said there were two other people. One of them had their conference badge on, and he said, "Do you realize that the whole time you were talking, they stopped talking and they just listened to everything you said about about the conference." Well, what what's uh, let's talk about? I mean, and and I don't know if they were part of the firm that put it on or a couple of other attendees. But it's funny you say that because um, when I was talking to him, I, I was talking a little bit in code, like I was saying things. You know, the presenter from the firm that I used to work for, and the presenter from the firm that I wouldn't name firms. I would describe them kind of like we were mafia guys. Ah. Uh, for that very reason, because I didn't want people to overhear, you know, me saying, I, you know, I, it's not like I was sitting there ripping on anybody, but I just didn't. Well, let you, you could have said you're representing yeah. Stacks and Jacks. I could, and you know that. Um, well, I, you know, the difference between representing Stacks and Jocks or or being from Indiana University at this conference. Yeah, what? twenty five hundred dollars. That's right. what the difference is. Well, my the academic rate. One of the nice things about a lot of these conferences. And one of the great things for for academics and SIBO SIBO is doing this as well for risk management this year um, is if your if if your fuel time vocation is an academic um, and you you know you might go learn things and do some academic research based on it heck yeah you know I'm a, you know I, I I think it makes sense to allow a few of us in the door well if ever you want to go incognito you can just say stacks and jacks. I guess they stock the jocks, but it costs more. Well, they'd say, who, who are those guys? But I'll do that. They'd say, who are those, who are those guys? guys? You know. <laughs> who the hell are those guys? <laughs> who the hell are those guys? Uh, hey, about VIX, right. all kinds of my yes, still sir. clients. How has the perception of the – because I think the perception of the product has changed dramatically in the last 18 months, mainly because uh, for whatever reason, and, and you, you've never once – said this because you know what the hell you're talking about that somehow or another even though uh, you, from the 87 crash on we seem to have had some issues where if the market goes down strongly the implied volatility goes up at least for a little while as people panic on the downside and they mm-hmm. come after puts and then so so people somehow you and I would I don't think would ever I mean you're much more a genius on this I'm just a listener uh you would never have have uh, counseled people to that being a uh, 
hedge against a down market is buying the VIX. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, ninety percent of the investment world had a be- believed that at some point. I would say. Yeah, and I and I think that came from two thousand eight, and and you know I joined C I, I joined CEO in very early two thousand nine, so it was just after the you know on the very tail end of the great financial crisis. Um, in fact, I think I started. I started. I think a week after intraday, the S and P hit six sixty six, which was sometime in the or maybe March or April of that year, um, and th- and that's a number that sticks with you. So uh, <laughs> I always yeah. liked that the S and P five hundred was six sixty six at its lowest point during the great great financial crisis. Easy number to remember, but at the same time. Um, you know the, the the VIX complex had traded okay, but all of a sudden, you know, after the dust had settled, people looked back and like, well, hell, if I had bought calls on that thing, and there was even a paper that talked about if you had, you know, just consistently been buying VIX calls over the course of 2008, which is, you know, one of the most specifically targeted things on God's green earth. Um, how you know just one or two percent, and, and don't quote me on these numbers. It's been a long time since I've seen an act, so I don't remember the exact numbers. But it was like a one or two percent uh, VIX contribution to uh, a long equity portfolio, and you would have broken even in two thousand eight or something like that. So people saw that, and then because I was joined, I, I you know joined VIX. I joined, I'm sorry, joined the SIBO. And I was um, at the, the Options Institute. Uh, there were three other instructors there. And one of the little things I've always had in the back of my mind uh, for job security is is find things that nobody else is doing. So when they come around and, and say, "Who you know who does that if we let somebody go, and who does that if we let somebody go?" So I, I really started focusing on VIX, partially for job security, but also because nobody else was focusing on it. So I was watching the volumes, et cetera, watching how people were trading it. The most popular trade for a good portion of 2009, and if you recall from that low in March in 2009, we did nothing but go straight up. Yep. Uh, we were up like 50% off the lows for that year. Um, you would see a lot of buying of out-of-the-money VIX call options that all expired out of the money. But... That that's what people yeah I I still remember 2009 and feeling like at some point uh, we we're going to have the next disaster it, it, you know it was just so traumatic between Lehman Brothers and you know the follow through that we had in the first quarter of 2009 it just you you felt like um, you know and so we you felt like we were going to wake up one morning and have a lot of red all over our screen that's just. So I understood the mentality of people trying to use VIX that way. Uh, over time, they got smarter and smarter on the way to use VIX. Uh, I've written up a thing that, that maybe I'll link to uh, after I get off with you that talks about um, a way to very cheaply uh, put on spread trades that may lose a dime or so, but allow you give you a lot of nice asymmetric, asymmetric returns to the upside. And that's why VIX has been somewhat popular. I also think, you know, we had the last uh, issue that they had with VIX was back in 2018 with uh, the operational problem that that caused the Volmageddon thing and caused some of the short fun, one of the short funds to blow up and another one to deleverage. 
there's a, there are new funds that have stopgap measures in them that, that have been created to give you two times the long exposure and one times short exposure to the VIX futures. Um, and the performance of those has been really nice. And that starts to, when people see the ETF strategy doing well, they start poking around at the underlying strategy. So, um, and that's what that's what's happened over the last eighteen months to kind of you know, revitalize VIX and have them put up the first record volume numbers in in two or three years, if I if I'm remembering correctly. Usually, there was usually record volumes came back within five to six months, even you know, and and typically what would happen is you'd have a volatility event, you'd have a ton of volume. And then volume would dip for a while, and then and then work its way back to normal. It took a longer for that to happen after um, the tw- the 2020 stuff than it has previously. I think part of it's a new generation of people looking at it, and I think part of it's um, people seeing how well some of the the VIX strategy ETFs have done in different environments. The long one's doing well in 2020, uh, and the short one, hell, the short the 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 short. Um, Volatility ETF is up. I'm going to guess right now somewhere between 110 and 120 percent over the last 12 months. Well, and people see that, and they're attracted to back picks as well. Well, I mean, yeah. if, if if people see the price of turtle eggs in Zimbabwe going up, they want to buy them. But as long as something's moving, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I and I think that um, and and the, the main way that professionals, um, or at least the the what we're told, because I'm seeing something different in the study I'm working on, um, but we're told that you know the main way that, that professionals use um, options is by you know selling volatility, getting paid to you know issue insurance, uh, all of those kind of things. Uh, that did not work particularly well in 2020. Uh, it's worked pretty good in 2023. Or, I'm sorry, 2022 versus 2023, um, and. When that short volatility trade comes back, it creates the environment where hedging with the VIX derivatives is attractive as well. You have enough willing sellers out there that it doesn't look overly expensive to set yourself up for a hopeful or using VIX spike as a hedge or speculating that that the VIX spike was coming. It's gotten cheap enough that, that people are attracted back to that. And that's part of it. And, and right now I'm quoting stuff from a panel discussion yesterday, that, that last little few well, the, uh, You're asking me about the right thing today. I, well, I'll tell you the next time I go to a conference. I, uh, I think a it, lot of the, the issues with, with the VIX really stem back from 1987. And, and, and one of the, when I say the issues, the reasons for the product even being here, is, the, mm-hmm. is in a, a lot of what you see the movement in the VIX, especially in a down market, is... It's kind of an interesting phenomenon, you know. God, mm-hmm. you know, I've been doing this forever. Uh, when, when the markets are way up, and it just goes up every day, people's view of the risk in the market is actually very low. When you when you would you would think that if if IBM is trading five hundred, it's more risky than if it's trading a hundred. Yet that's not mm-hmm. the way, for whatever reason, people view things, and. I've always, matter of fact, in 2007, shameless plug, PTI was a money manager of the year from, uh, I forget what rating it was, uh, Morningstar. And uh, the reason for that is we were on a high the year before, 
and you know the market made a high, and I was putting new people's money to work, and I thought we were so freaking high, <laughs> Russell. I'm like, what am I gonna do with this? And uh, the calls were mm-hmm. so cheap. You know, in our protected index program is we buy longer term puts to protect the position. We try and cover the cost of the puts by selling calls against it. And some years it's worked swimmingly, you know. But in general, it's for it's a lot. A lot of people need a little bit of protection. Obviously, you can you can select how much protect. I won't go into that so much today. But enough of the shameless plug. But the puts were so cheap. The implied volatility, which is the VIX, really, uh, got down to like eight or nine or some ridiculous number. As a matter of fact, yeah, it got down. It got down to about eight point nine. And so, yeah, so it was eight, actually it was eight ninety one. Well, it got uh, down I'm, to the <laughs> lowest I've ever seen it was the August before <laughs> the nineteen eighty seven crash. It got down to like seven and a half. And people, okay. the people would wear buttons. Rever- yeah. wear, wear buttons to say say no to puts. Any, anyway, when it got down that low, I got I, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, I got I, down. I got, I got I got one of those. Well, it got down so low that I said, you know, mm-hmm. at this at this level, I, I'm just going to buy 50 percent more puts for my people. So if I bought 400 thousand dollars worth of OEX at the time, um, mm-hmm. we bought. $600,000 worth of protection because it was so cheap. So when the market yeah. went flying down, we actually made money in the two, 2007 horrible down year. It was it 2008, wherever it was. Hence, we got mm-hmm. we have the you know, became the uh, money manager of the year. <clears throat> how could these guys make money in such a horrible year? Well, that's how we did it. Uh, but part of what the spike in VIX used to come, uh, Russell, and you know, I hope, I don't care if they're listening, the regulators have been so ignorance through the years they they caused the spike in 87 the reason why the yeah. implied volatility went to 300 is they basically told everybody who was short puts to buy them back at any cost and told the people who could sell them to not sell anymore because you we don't want you selling anymore so there was they mm-hmm. they essentially i mean there, there was no market there was nobody to buy them from and, and, and every time we go down people panic uh, regulators panic, and anybody who tries to buy protection all of a sudden feels they need it. I mean, f- people, it's it's sort of crazy that if somebody has a million-dollar IRA account, I mean, not here because we talked more in advance, but they'll say they don't need any protection. We're fine. It's going up. I'm just I'm in for the long term. Well, if that becomes 800000 now all of a sudden they panic and buy puts. Or really, you'd like to be... It, it's, it's, as, it's as idiotic as is trying to say, I mean, for a retail trader, even for a professional trader, the, the sample I give when I, when I lecture, you don't have to sit through one of my boring lectures, but I say, okay, what if I go to Midway Airport and I say, uh, or if, if you just, I wake up today and I go, you know what, I didn't go to the bar last night, I'm feeling pretty good for an older dude, I don't need my car insurance today, and tomorrow I look out and I see it's, it's raining and maybe I had a cocktail the night before, a little, you know, a little headache, maybe, it's, it's like trying to pick the day you need your car insurance. Oh yeah. I mean, nobody would be dumb enough to do that. Yeah. You, you you either need it or you don't. Now, if you're, I I luckily I had turned on my health insurance when I, you know, almost killed myself on a scooter a few months ago. Well, you know, the thing about <laughs> you know with that accident, it's like, well, do I think I'm going to wreck on my scooter on the ride home tonight? Uh, yeah, I think I'll, I'll I'll chime in for some insurance for this trip. <laughs> Every time I see yeah, somebody on a scooter, I think of you. It's the exact same concept. I like that, and I'm stealing that for classes. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. But I like that. I like that a lot. I haven't heard it. I haven't heard it. If, it what, and what's really funny is they did surveys, and I, 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 I 
took little screenshots of all the surveys. Um, and there was, you know, this group, and keep in mind that this is uh, groups that, that these are, a lot of them are tail risk managers and, and they, they do constant, they do consistent programs that hopefully will, pay, you know, pay off uh, as a hedge for, um, for money managers. They'll, I mean, that's what they'll do. They'll take like, you know, 1% and set up a tail risk hedge. Um, I'm trying to find, there was a, there was a question about, um, you know, just this uh, about they referred to it as tactically hedging or um, tactically hedging or systematically hedging and the majority of people th felt like uh, a combination of systematic it was 51% thought a combination of tactical and systematic uh, is the way that you should be correctly hedging a portfolio not just one or the other I, I'm, I'm in the systematic crowd I really am, but I'm in the like, like I mentioned a few minutes ago that that I run through I, I've run through ways that you can put spread trades on that kind of have an upside kicker for VIX and limit the damage if it doesn't come along, um, you know, which I, I would consider kind of a, a nice cheap way to go about about hedging. Um, I would if if I were in the money management arena, and uh, you know, part of my mandate was to have a tail hedge. I, I would go with a systematic person that that I know is going to lose money, you know, thirty five or thirty six months. But you know, hopefully they're going to make the whole thing up with the thirty, you know, the thirty six month where where we have what I refer to as the volatility event. Well, you, you have you, you sort of have to be careful. I mean, I seemingly have enough stories for all these examples. Uh, mm -hmm. You sort of have to you have to be careful and. Uh, you know, you get a lot of clients and and, and money managers. Cause I do stuff for other people, and, and actually give advice. Uh, uh, you know, but uh, I think pretty decent advice. But most most of my answers, Russell, are, are kind of like yours. They're they're steeped in real life stuff. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and that, that you know what? If I yeah, we you, we talk. I know I'm totally flipping topics on real quick. But that, hey, you know what? It's all the same topic. That's a side effect of the concussion. Um, the uh, what you just said is something that I say to to undergrads all the time. You always ask me what 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 are you telling undergrads about this? What are you telling undergrads about that? I tell them that you know you go and listen and listen to these people. One panel uh, had four people in and, and and there were a couple of you know fairly seasoned guys up there. Uh, there was 145 years worth of market wisdom up on that stage. And and they were doing the exact same thing that I'm doing with you right now. We're just drawing from, um, you know, why I believe certain things and the reason behind why I believe certain things. Uh, if you're, you know, if, I'm, I'm sure at this early hour, there are not a lot of college students listening to us live. But if you do, you know, if, we're, if you are in college and you're in the financial world, go listen to the people that have been through three or four of these things. You know, we're the we're 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 the ones that have the battle scars, and we're also the ones that uh, know what has worked and what has not worked in in different types of situations in the past, and we also know the why behind things. Well, it's also you know, it's, but it's so individual. Like, like the way the skew is now, you lived through it in '87. Oh God, yeah. Well, and I, I, I mean, want exactly. And you are a huge beneficiary of you know the of, of uh, index skew being a smile 
that turned into a smirk or whatever after the crash of 87. What do you mean by live through it? Physically, yes. Yes, physically lived through it. Yes. (laughs) And what you just described, what's kind of funny is you and I just described similar situations that may be allowing the people to profit. You benefited from the price of puts being too low. Because right. they were being priced in the same way as out of the money calls back in '87. Right. So, and there there were a lot of systematic sellers of those options. Um, I'm not saying that you know you can benefit the same way, but I think one of the, the one of the reasons that the volumes in VIX have have come back you know come back to where they should be is because you have what we refer to as the natural sellers in the house, which are are you know the, the short volatility managers. Well, what uh, you need, I, I you, need like, you need a seller. You need a seller if you want to buy something that's going to be attractive. All right, so now you got me with like five yeah. questions. I'm gonna have to select yeah. one. Select one before the break. Uh, uh-huh. The first one is is a lot of what the people you're talking about on a theoretical side. I'm sure they know way more than I do about something like that. But the the trick is to apply it to whoever your customer happens to be, whether it's an institutional oh, yeah. person. Yeah. Oh, God. There was... A, I know I'm all over you, but I'm, right. I'm, all full of, I'm all full of great quotes. One of the best quotes I heard yesterday uh, that on a panel, it was, it was about tail, It was about hedging. It's, the, it's what I just cited with the, over half the audience said you should do a combination of both. And they asked one guy, they said, you know, what is um, the perfect hedge? And they said one that always protects my customer and doesn't upset him. Well, it's going to upset him if he buys a put, and and, it, and yeah, the, and, and the that, stack and goes that, up. And that was his that was his point yeah. was, uh, and then he went through a process where he and, and I, I'm I'm I've never sat with you and watched you do this, but I'm almost certain you do the same thing, um, where he you know strong, he has them tell him what how much they would be willing to. Spend. And what kind of protection they want, and then he backs into their description. Well, it's, and it's that sort of like, way. It's, that way, he can say, "I, you know, I, I, when when you know we've got a year like this year where you haven't needed a tail hedge, um, and it's cost you one percent of your portfolio performance." Um, you know, you can say, "Well, this is you know this is what we discussed, and this is how I wanted to go about you know how we would go about implementing it." And you were aware if it wasn't needed, it was going to be a bit of a drag. But he said the perfect the perfect hedge if you're dealing with individual clients is the one that saves it. You know, it it doesn't upset your client and saves them at the right times and is there at the right time. Well, the difference and, the difference is if if you have your auto insurance guy and you buy insurance and you didn't wreck your car last year, you probably don't call him. Uh, after three martinis on New Year's Eve, and say what an ass he was, mm. and how, how much he robbed robbed you. I know, but I know. but because because you don't have fifty people on TV the next day saying what kind of a moron are you? Don't you know nobody gets in a crack up anymore? Now on CNBC or Fox News or Bloomberg, you're going to have fifty swinging idiots saying we knew the market was going up last year. Why did anybody hedge? You, you have that against you. But what I was saying is. If if you if, simple stuff like if somebody comes at you comes at you and they have a portfolio of a lot of uh, shall we say high tech stocks and it's somewhat mm-hmm. balanced and somebody wants to hedge or wants to or needs to 
say they're 80 and they're never going to work another day, well, you got to be careful then. You can't lose money. If, if somebody's got an account of 30 grand and they're making 200 grand a year and they want to be a little riskier, so what? They can replace the 30 grand tomorrow, right, if they want to. I won't say so what. It's yeah. still money. But, but, if, but if somebody has, a, a, I'll say perfectly, no such thing as perfectly, but a really balanced uh, high-tech position, you might be able to get away with some QQQ puts. Okay, and say I'll just buy some of these. Mm-hmm. We'll hedge quote the portfolio, but if if the person has sixty percent of it in Apple or Nvidia or Google, you there's no getting around you having to hedge that stock because the last mm-hmm. thing you want is the Q's going down five percent and that stock going down twenty five because now you, because there's not enough you you can't you you can't use an index to hedge one stock. Sometimes you can. I mean, sometimes you get away with it. You can buy puts in the QQQ, the QQQ could go down and NVIDIA could go up, and if that's your only stack, I mean, you could luck out like that, but I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> I mean, would you? Uh, you could conceivably luck out like that. I mean, there, have been, there were people mm-hmm. during the that's why people love Apple. There were years where the market was down and Apple was up. So if, if you have, you know, if you, if, you bought app, if you bought QQQ puts or spider puts against your Apple, guess what? You might have made money on the puts and the Apple. But I, I you know, oh, yeah. but I mean, that's, that's so rare. You, you sort of, you know, what, real quick, you know, I'll take a minute to explain this. And this, you can use this one as well. Uh, remember the, uh, what the hell, the, what was the MX20 stock thing? Was that the MMI? What was that thing? Yeah, yeah major market index, the, which was, you know, 20 of the more volatile Dow stocks. Well, well, it was the Amex twenty. It was twenty that they had on the Amex. Anyway, what, oh, okay, okay. But okay. so I'm, th- I'm thinking of something different. Well, when the, okay. the, in the first Kuwait War, one of the one of the, the phenomenons was, uh, uh, for some reason, the implied volatility was higher in the OEX than it was in the individual stacks, which is you don't that very rarely happens, right? That's an arbitrary. It, it it does not happen very often. It it does very rarely. So what it, what we yeah. ended up doing is we we got a bunch of money and stuck it into a separate account, and I managed the portfolio where I put ratio backspreads on in all twenty of the stocks, mm-hmm. which essentially means you're buying volatility, and if the stock explodes either way, you're going to make money. Correct. Uh, yeah. But if it stays where it is, you're gonna, you know, you're, you're sucking on the wrong end. But and then we sold uh, calls and puts in the MMI. So the, the whole position, if you looked mm-hmm. at it on a graph, the whole position was flat, right? So at the end of the mm-hmm. day, we did really well, and everybody, you know, congratulating me and blah blah blah. You know, I, I did the post mortem on it, and if I'd have been, mm-hmm. la- if I'd have been lazy, Russell, and, and just said like two or three of the stacks in there. We made almost all the money in two or three stacks out of the 20. If I would have said, yeah. I mean, the one that we made a fortune in was American Express because they just cratered because nobody was going overseas with this war going on. They went down like 50%. I think it was American Express, might have been Exxon, and like three others. If I would have said, right, I'll just do 15 of these things and not the other five and just left a and couple out. And the, dar- and the darts missed. Uh, and the darts missed. Yeah. It would have been an absolute yeah. disaster. So from that day yeah. forward, I'm I'm like, if, if I got a client who needs to to hedge his apple, guess what? We're we're using apple. We're, we're not using something else. Uh, and and I don't, I'd be hesitant to use the VIX. I mean, uh, God, the VIX could go anywhere, and apple could still go down, right? I mean, uh, anyway. yeah, you wouldn't want to. Yeah. Anyway, SP uh, futures down six. Uh, we're gonna go back and do this. Uh, 
CPIX Food and Energy, 4.3 versus 4.3. We'll have these numbers when we come back. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everyone. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tom. I'm on the board. We have CPI, X Food and Energy year over year, 4.3. We have the numbers. I still get how there's adjusted numbers here, but the. Uh, uh, month to month is 0.6, July to uh, August. These are the adjusted. It, it's two months of 0.2, 0.2, and now 0.6. So that's higher, even though that was what was expected. So we got the S&P futures virtually unchanged. Matter of fact, they are unchanged. It's the same way with the NASDAQ's down 22. So a uh, little bit to the downside, but not much. Uh, Andrew, why don't you give a very brief, uh, since all these numbers overseas are jumping around with this number, just give us a, a quick weather and, uh, and traffic, and we'll, we'll get right back to Russell. Alrighty, let's see. It is 7.37 here in Chicago. Starting off with some sports, uh, we have a doubleheader from the White Sox yesterday. The first game was won. Uh, it was the White Sox against the Royals. The White Sox won the first game 6-2, uh, but they lost the second game, and that was 11-10. Uh, we also had a game from the Diamondbacks, who lost to the Mets 7-4, and a game from the Cubs, who lost to the Rockies 6-4. 
over in Chicago. Our weather is currently uh, not too bad right now. Looks like the skies are clearing up. We're currently at 55 degrees. We're going to have a high of about 65 today. And over in Phoenix, they're currently at 76 degrees. Uh, it's going to be a little bit hotter around, I believe, mid-90s for the high. Um, and they're going to have a little bit of cloudy weather today as well. But finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, thankfully looks like, uh, well, actually, nope, we do have a major accident to report. Uh, that is on the outbound Stevenson, uh, south before Pulowski Road. Uh, expect delays up to 20 minutes up there. Other than that, no accidents to report. However, just a lot of just pure red traffic. Uh, if you're coming in, excuse me, um, on the, uh, I'm blanking on the name of it. What's the uh, southbound one that connects to the 94? Oh, right. That one now. If you're coming in from there, you can expect delays uh, all the way from uh, all the way from Stony Island to downtown, and it's nearly the same for every other expressway. Uh, Kennedy Construction all the way to downtown on the Eisenhower. It's all the way from Wedgwood Drive to downtown. So expect a slow drive on the way in today. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. That's, uh, that's why I'm never there in person. And also, the way you remember Dan Ryan is DR Dead Ride. Yep. Because a lot of people have gotten dead rides on the Dan Ryan. Uh, yeah. Where people, where people like to shoot at each other. Well, what's your view on which one of the Dan Ryans, because there were two county commissioners of father and son named Dan Ryan, which one's it named after? Nobody seems to know. I I would go with the older one. But, you know, the younger one probably pushed it through and made sure it didn't say junior so that people could think it was one, or didn't say senior, so people would think it's one or the other. I was... Uh, Young, young, a youngin, and uh, my grandparents lived in Inglewood, and we used to take mm-hmm. the L downtown to go shopping downtown. Talk about a different, a different day. Never hassled yeah. on the L. I'd say it was ninety percent black, ten percent white during the middle of the day. And, uh, never, never would hassled you. In underneath State Street, Carson's and Fields had the big stores or Weebolts. You pulled into the L train, went up the steps, and walked right into the basement of the stores. No, no security. Oh no yeah, nothing. nobody, yeah. nobody you hassled can, you anybody. You can still do that. I, you got. I, I can't believe you can do it with. Uh, Marshall Fields closed the second floor entrance off the Wabash L. You can't do that. Anymore. Yeah, but the, um, there, there's still an entrance. I, I actually, I sneak around in the Pedway every once in a while. Okay, and you can, you can actually. There's one entrance um, at Macy's. Uh, um, which used to be Marshall Fields uh, within the Pedway, but um, See, I wouldn't know. it's I narrow, I and there's always there's always an officer sitting there. I so. can't I can't go in in Macy's. Okay, I uh, you're, you're you're the last holdout. I'm the last holdout. I can't go. Everybody and their mother said that you've gone in Macy's. My wife's over there pointing at herself. I, um, I have I have never so once. I been know in you've been in Macy's. Never once. So, but yeah, you know, for the first six months after Macy's took over Marshall Fields for the nine Chicagoans. Um, the, everybody and their mother said, I'm never shopping there. Yeah, I go there on a Saturday now. Um, Somebody's shopping there. Somebody's shopping there. I, I, I yeah. agree. Well, the numbers here, uh, oh, well. have you checked? Have you, I, don't know, I, I don't know, suppose you Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at them right now. I'm actually, I've got the, um, my, my better half walked over because I'm trapped by my French bulldog on the couch. I'll um, tell you what, it's uh, just a, in, oh, did and you, turned it, on a. Did you get the new one yet? Did you get the one I can't see? I, we we we. I, I was gonna I was gonna get you on this one for the last at the last five minutes, but I'll do it real quick. So yes, we did have a visitor from the French Bulldog Rescue. Uh, their son uh, is a tight end for Minnesota. He's a junior, uh, kid from down south of Joliet, 
and uh, we did we we watched the game and saw him on the kickoff team. Uh, but his uh, his parents are part of the French Bulldog Rescue. They had taken in one that unfortunately had lost both of her eyes. Um, but Ava was an absolute joy to have around. She was she was just funny. You know, you go over and you you scratch her on the head, and she started just loving life for a second or so. Slept twenty three hours a day, which is kind of nice. Yeah, and um, was really good at playing Marco Polo. Good for her. Good for her. Uh, yeah, but yeah. No, we, uh, yeah, it's uh, within the French Bulldog Rescue in Chicago. If you like, we like the one that we have, little hospice baby that's now lasted seven months more than she was supposed to, which we're very happy about. Um, if we had to go out of town for a week or something, instead of the dog going to a kennel, she would go to a different foster family, and that that's what we did over the weekend with the uh, with Ava, the temporary blind. French Bulldog. I was always uh, when, because and, and my daughter at college said I can't believe that my family replaced me with a blind rescue French Bulldog. <laughs> I don't think she's replaced, but uh, <laughs> no, not at all. But that's how she put it. She was absolutely hilarious. Well, I, I think uh, I don't know if I could be goofy on this, but I mean, I rescued Scruff from uh, whatever the hell it was, canine care or something, and uh, uh-huh. in a, I, I never, I always had a feeling you could, you could never take a rescue dog to a kennel for a weekend because they think you're dumping them again. Yeah, pr- that, that's probably true. I haven't thought about it from that, that perspective, um, but that, that is most likely true. So I would have my... I could, I could see that. I, I, you know what? I, I could see that the second day that... Um, the, the first day they dropped her off and everything was cool, uh, Saturday, like in the evening, that dog, you could, it's hard to get a read on a dog that doesn't see... But physically, she was like shaking every once in a while. I think she was really nervous because she didn't know where she was. Yeah. Um, and I'll bet it would have been a hell of a lot worse if it had been in a kennel with a bunch of dogs barking, losing oh, their minds, and all that kind of stuff than, uh, than this house. Well, I used and to have my. Dogs, uh... and, and our two dogs, who are the friendliest dogs in the world, uh, she, she like snipped at both of them in a minor way once, and they both looked at her and said, Yeah, yeah, good luck on that one, and just walked away. <laughs> God. Well, my. Uh... Yeah. So I, my, I had a dog walker. And he's, I think he's still alive. I call him. I call him every year on the solstice because he's uh, gay. Do dysle- some happy holidays for the pagan. He's he's yeah. a, a gay, dyslexic, Jewish, now Wiccan. How's that for a comment? See, I can. I, I I'm happy that that they identify like that. But go ahead. So uh, <laughs> what I would do if if I had to go out of town on business or something. He'd come stay in my place and just take care of Scruff there. I wasn't going to put Scruff anywhere. Nice. He'd just crash yeah. at my place. And, uh, and he and Scruff, were, were they were tight. Matter of fact, when the day we put Scruff down, he came over. He said Scruff. Uh, he said he learned more from okay. Scruff than any other dog. I mean, he, he, this guy's a legitimate dog whisperer. I mean, uh, mm. what a character. It was The dog was his client, and then there was the human, the attached human. <laughs> how's, that for, how's that for perspective? All right, what about these numbers, bud? We got gas, yeah. gas prices up ten point six percent in one month. That's the high end of this. I mean, I don't, I know I always that that's the number right there that I thought was going to be the catalyst to a to a higher than expected CPI right there. Well, they're they're point six. From, I thought it was going to come from the energy sector, but I'll bet you it's real easy to uh, to alter the uh, um, you know when you're making the adjustments. I'll bet the seasonality around. Energy really makes it easy to do that. Well, the uh, actually, in uh, 
well, September is usually when energy prices go down. But this is this is the thing. There there, there was a day, a day, mm-hmm. where you didn't look at this three point seven number year over year, right? You looked at point six for the month and you multiplied it by twelve, and you said, "Ouch." <laughs> there was a day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is our. You know, this, this is, is this our is the number annualized rate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I still see there, there's there's kind of weird stuff in here. By the way, the one for you that I always pick out is uh, well, there's always a couple in here that I have to I have to say, and uh, uh, men's sweaters up uh, 1.9% in the month. In the summer. Yeah, men's sweaters up 1.9%. Oh, my God, it's going to be a very expensive fall for me if sweaters yeah. increased in price over the summer. 5% on the year. Well, it's going to be very difficult. Yeah, yeah, I think you're in deep 5% doodle. on the... Oh, my God, I can... I, I, I got this is when I This is when I start reloading on the sweater collection to match all my new glasses. Well, I think... I mean, I'll, I'll have you're to... Tell s- me, I, well, and I'll tell you, um, you know, you, you'll, you'll want to... Um, you want to talk about inflation? You know, I, I used to go to New York. I was in I was in New York for my conference, and I used to go to New York New York on a pretty regular basis before COVID. Um, from Laguardia to Midtown, I don't know, fifty, sixty bucks. Uh, Laguardia to Midtown, uh, Laguardia last night uh, from Midtown was eighty on the dot. Yep, and it was seventy five when I uh, when I got there. So. There's a fifty uh, percent increase in something over the last three years. The the uh, st- and st- and I had a small stake and and a couple of other things at a restaurant and it was ninety bucks in Laguardia. And you don't even drink. And I don't drink. Yeah, I t- actually, I started to text something to my wife and saying, "Imagine if I was boozing." Yeah. So, well, I, uh, um, the stuff that yeah, inflation impl- inflation is out there, and I, I you know. Uh, it, things have always been, it, I, I don't know, things have always supposedly been more expensive in New York and, you know, Chicago versus New York, I never really felt the big difference, but I sure felt it on this last trip. Well, when was the last time you took a cab in Chicago? What do you think it has going up here? Well, I take cabs here. I go back yeah. and forth to the airport. All right. Well, just... The cab that I take back and forth, the cab service, American Taxi. Okay. You know, how about that? Because they've always been really good to me, so I'll, I'll say that once on the air. Um, it used to be forty-five with the tip, and now it's um, now it's fifty during the day and fifty-five at night. They actually have a night surcharge. Um, so right there, you know that that's a twenty percent increase, but it's not the same as the fifty percent I saw in New York. Well, the uh, you go through these numbers, and and again, mm-hmm. you don't know. I, I I always whenever I before I read on these guys and and basically poop all over them. I say I wouldn't want this job, you know, putting these mm-hmm. things together. And some of the stuff, and I'll dig into one here, and you're the, you're the professor. Uh, we've got gasoline, you know, up 10.6% on the month. Now here, guess what's down 16% on the year? Utility. This year? U- this year, mm-hmm. utility piped gas service. All right, so first of all, what does that even what does that even mean? Uh, yeah, so that, and, and you had me looking at my bill where I saw the, you know, the amount of fees that I paid. I, I actually dissected it after I was on with you a week or two ago, where you were telling me um, that it costs just sixty bucks before before you even get a, a. I don't even know how you quantify a little bit of gas. A drop of gas. Um, a drop a of gas. Well, but it's not liquid, is it? Well, okay, well, it's a um, a whiff of gas. 
Yeah. So yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So it's like sixty bucks just to get it to the door. I wonder if that figures into that price or not. Well, that's what I'm saying here. The the price of natural mm-hmm. gas uh, is down. The at you know at the wellhead is down on the year pretty dramatically. Of course, it went up the year before dramatically. Now it's back down to where it's mm-hmm. traditionally sort of been. But the but this actually says gas service. My gas service mm-hmm. went up six percent last month, and there's four there's four things in the building, so it went up from fifty two to fifty seven dollars in four different units. Mm-hmm. So I mean, so how the how this the, the service under no stretch has gone down. The the gas the gas mm-hmm. you buy may be down for the year, but that's not what they're saying here. They're saying the service, and and when you look down further on the line here your 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 motor for your gasoline is 3.4% of your basket okay uh, mm-hmm. and now um, so that's up 10.6% but if you sneak down here lower now this is one of the biggest scams you, you put on people um, is it because people don't have time to go through all this crap like maybe I do health insurance is 0.6% of somebody's basket now I'm going to say if you're buying your health insurance, and this you know right, it's funny, Russell. As I talk to my nephews, they have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. You have an implied health insurance cost even if you're not paying it, and they go, "What are you talking mm-hmm. about?" And I said, "Well, you know, and, and this is kind of weird because they do have a point. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to you know give somebody a, a congratulations when they do. If you go to work someplace, they're going to pay. If your family is at least two grand." I mean, I know that at PTI here. For even if even if we're up in the deductible to you, it's it's at least two grand a month for us to give you health insurance. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to say uh, we're uh, point. Say it's one percent. Uh, do we really think everybody's making two hundred grand a year? It's actually point five seven. So in theory, if the, if the health insurance was, I'll say, free. Or there wasn't any, mm-hmm. you'd be you you could be making two thousand more a month, right? In in fact, yeah. in fact, it is kind of weird that if you go for a new job and they go, Russell, we love it, we want you to be our whatever, our marketing chief, and we're going to pay you, you know, one hundred and fifty grand with uh, a, this nice package. If you were to say, hey, my wife's a judge or a teacher, I'm covered by her, so you don't have to do my health insurance. And, and say just give me another twenty five grand, they probably will look at you like you got four heads. I, I don't know why, but but they do. I mean, it, it's not. It's yeah, not, no. If you if you say my you know my my spouse is covered under my plan, you know why don't they pay you a little bit more? Yeah, but they they don't necessarily. Yeah. But but I'm going to say just these two numbers. If you're paying for it, explain mm-hmm. to me how anybody if it's two grand a month, this this would tell me that I'm paying fourteen grand a month for gasoline. No, I'm not. How could this be 0.56 and gasoline 3.5 of my basket? Who the hell? Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're an over-the-road truck driver, who pays more than two grand a month in gasoline? I couldn't do that in nope. a suburban. I'm, yeah, no, I'm not trying to think what it would. I you, you, honestly, I was sitting here rolling my eyes, and I was like, if you know, if I filled up every day, and I was. Still delivering pizza like I was in graduate school, but other than somebody that drives professionally, you know, I I can see a cab driver, you know, if they've got to fill up every single day, that uh, that they might hit two grand, but that's about it. Well, if you do the math, um, I mean, people, yeah. I mean, here's 
obviously the issue is if you uh-huh. and I go to fill up the tank, we're going to see the prices on four different signs, including the pump. If, if we go to the grocery store, we're going to be either look at the price or be hit with it when they when they run, ring it up at the register. Yeah. All this other stuff, yeah. just because that's in front of our face. But look, take gasoline, for instance. I'm going to say the average person, I mean, who knows where, I'm going to talk about Texas or some people don't drive at all. Let's say it's mm-hmm. a thousand a thousand miles a month because isn't that what they normally think in a car twelve thousand miles a year? All right, so a thousand miles yeah. a month, and I'm going to say, let's let's be stupid here and say the average car gets twenty miles a gallon. No, I don't get that, but most people that's get a lot the, more. That's the easy math that I would do in a lecture in front of everybody right now. Yeah, so yeah. okay, you're talking that's a good 50, number. Yeah, so you're talking fifty gallons of gas a month. Yeah, and and if if it, you four know bucks. it's and it's four bucks a gallon, so that's two hundred dollars. Okay, that's yeah. that's not even close to having to pay your own health insurance. And if gas goes up a dollar, it's fifty bucks. It's it's not a yeah. not a dollar you want to pay. And by the way, when you're putting the pump, you're staring at it, so you're pissed off. But it it it's just yeah. it's nowhere near as significant. Now, granted, if if all the the stuff that comes to the store, they got to pay more, and it just it, it it works its way through the system. I get it. Plus, they make rubber out of it. They make chemicals. Not, they make synthetic rubber out of it. They make uh. Uh, by the way, has anybody ever used real rubber for anything now? I mean, is there any such thing as a rubber plantation? I I haven't heard of you know I haven't heard of people fighting over the rubber rubber plants in Southeast Asia in a long time. You know who invented uh, synthetic rubber? Who? A priest at Notre Dame, Father Newlin. Notre Dame got all really? that, Notre Dame got all that money. Wow. He was he had a vow, vow of poverty. <laughs> Scary, huh? But anyway, Are you saying if I invent if I invent a new way to trade volatility while I'm at IU, they own it. Um, you know what? I would like. I'm going to have to look into that. I, you know what? I'm going to actually have a uh, a young lady who's been on once and wants mm-hmm. to come on again. She's doing medical research for people, and she okay. she was doing it at Northwestern. Actually, went to Miss, University of Minnesota. First summer, she was Northwestern. She's mm-hmm. like a, a, a recently old grad, and then she went okay. to. Uh, University of Minnesota for a summer, and I, I think she might have been with some group that hired her and then farmed her out, contracted her out. The University of Minnesota. I, I'm not sure. She, I'll ask her when she comes on whether she was specifically hired by university or whether this group. Anyway, they were able to identify a gene that causes one of these wacky orphan diseases. Now, there's no treatment for mm-hmm. it yet, but at least they identified the gene, and she gave a presentation. That's why I think you should be on, because reminds me of your daughter. I mean, just really, really bright girl. Uh, she now, and so she gave a presentation at uh, Stanford and at Harvard on this thing. Mm-hmm. And, and not to mention, she's a she's five ten, was a volleyball player. She dropped dead gorgeous on top of it, and pleasant as all get out. I hope she's not listening. Uh, but you're but, making this person up. No, You're no. too perfect. Oh no, I'm I mean, just kidding. Well, go I mean, ahead. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. So, but she uh, now she's at Vanderbilt. And they're they're okay. doing some work on Alzheimer's, and I'm, I'm going to let mm-hmm. her talk about it. They've actually found some drugs that are around that you would never guess are kind of working on Alzheimer's. And mm-hmm. and uh, now my question to you, being you're talking about writing a book and all this other stuff, how in the chain, if it's a if it's a drug that's out there, say it's aspirin. No, it's not aspirin. How is some mm-hmm. some firm going to swoop down? somehow repurpose aspirin in a, in a capsule instead of a pill get another patent on it and charge it and charge people a gazillion dollars a month 
for uh, a new Alzheimer's drug when it's been around since you and I have been here. Uh, yeah, they, they come up with a new purpose for it, so they get to extend the yeah. patent. So, so my question yeah. is, who would Vanderbilt gets any money, if anybody? Does she get any money? Does her team get any money? Uh, are they part of it? What kind of contract I, does she sign? I, mean, I, I, I don't know in the scientific... And I was kind of joking when I said that. Um, I don't know how it works in the scientific era. You know, like the hard sciences where you're being backed by the university and how much of your, you know, how much of your work is owned by the university. I know there's some, uh, some of the high-end schools out in California, have, like, and I'm thinking of Stanford and Berkeley, have all kinds of patent income based on the work that academics have done while they work there. But, but I, the, I, the, I have no idea. You know what? I'm, I'm actually. It's funny. I'm going to a. Uh, I, I've got a. I got a meeting at IU tomorrow, and that is a. And it is a meeting where I can ask that question. Because um, also I've got a. Uh, I, I got a research grant. Good for you. From I yeah, and it's uh, and you'll love this. Uh, I, uh, it, I, it's studying uh, the performance of following all the big option trades from each day. Funny, you know what? You are you are. And I know, and and actually, I know the outcome because um, it's a study I did before. And what I'm doing is I'm having students recreate it with more more recent data for a new paper. By the way, you uh, are you don't you don't know it, and I should say shouldn't say mm-hmm. this while you're on. You are freaking clairvoyant. The question I was just going to ask you. As you know, I, uh-huh. get, I get the option feed. I don't look at it all day long. Uh, uh, John's option feed, un- unusual. And, and I talked and I talked to John about this because it's contrary. Because it has, it's kind. It, it could almost be taken as I'm criticizing what what they're doing with the black option stuff. Um, and I'm not because they'll say they see a big option trade and then they'll use that to go look for a couple of other pieces instead of just blindly right. following. Right, well, without a doubt. Right. Uh, but I'm saying yeah. is, the, the thing, the, the breakthrough that Jan made on other people was that he was mm-hmm. able to determine if it traded on the offer or on the bid or anywhere in the middle. So that, mm-hmm. that was his breakthrough. Because people always could, back with the, uh, it wasn't a mind check, but what the hell was the name, a track data, you could sit there uh-huh. and say the normal amount of options in IBM and this option is 200 and all of a sudden 2,000 at trade. And people would yeah. jump to the idea that everybody was buying them. Well, you didn't know if you were buying them or selling them. It could have been a covered right. But what Jan's, yeah. did, Jan's advance was they were, they were trading on the offer or on the bid or in the middle where nobody cared. So what I'm, I'm saying is I used to see in that raw feed, if, if all of a sudden, like right now, people are worried about the market going into the fall, virtually every year, Russell, I'd see four and five guys buy like 10,000 uh, 60 strike VIXs. Even though VIX is at the word hell's VIX, it's uh, oh yeah, it's fourteen. I don't see any of that anymore. That that was people's Armageddon insurance. I and then we had a year like last year where the, where the where the QQQs are are down in the rat hole, and the VIX never really went up at all. It never came close to forty or fifty. So that trade, I think, is not there anymore. Am I wrong? Um, no. It's it's funny you bring that one up with VIX. Uh, because one of the uh, one of the news services did an article on uh, somebody trading a whole bunch of the February 180 calls. 180. 180. I did not mistake that number. 180. And it looked to me like it was a uh, it was like the market makers taking the other side of a public customer selling them. But uh, you know they were like, why would they buy these? Blah blah blah. And and I was like that. It was it was five cents by nine cents, and they all traded at six cents. That's a sell. 
in yeah. my mind. Um, and I started to I started to email the reporter and say, you know, did somebody confirm this? But and then I just decided to drop it, not talk about it at all. But it kind of came up. But like you're never that. you're never going to. Well, we're going to run over here a minute here. You're never going to explain uh-huh. to this, explain to this guy why a market maker would want those. Yet a market maker. Or why they have to say it's actually a have to take. But it's but, but immediately yeah. is 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 if I if I own ten thousand of the one eighties. If someday mm-hmm. somewhere somebody comes in and buys the one fifties from me, then I'm I'm covered. I have I have my units in yeah. place. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, when I used to, in the OEX began you know, over this thirty seconds, I was trading in there, and all of a sudden it looked like the market was going in the in the crapo. The first thing I do is is buy some out of money puts as many as I could find. I mean, I'm not talking about thousands. Say I'd buy five hundred, three hundred at a, at a sixteenth. Because I, mm-hmm. I I never dreamed that they would be in the money. But if we went down any more, like a practical guarantee that somebody needing units would pay an eighth for them that afternoon. And I could, I either could sell them at an eighth naked, which I would never do, or because I already, uh-huh. had, or because I already had them at a sixteenth, which is easy to do. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the value, and I actually thought they were going to be five bucks or ten bucks, or thought the world was going to crash. It had to do with based on somebody else's response. I need some units. So now I'd love to have all those VIXs because if all of a sudden we started to go down and somebody starts buying the 120s out of a panic, I can now sell them to them because I have something above okay. it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Oh, buddy, thank you very much. Uh, we'll talk at you okay. next week. SP Futures up one, NASDAQ Futures. So uh, maybe if I have a maybe if I have a kitty, I'll have her on on a Wednesday because you know you know more about the academia than I do. If you'd like to, if she comes on, maybe she'd be on in your hour. Would you like that? The girl at Vanderbilt? He's gone already. Oh, he's gone? Okay, well, I, I will ax him. I'll be back tomorrow. Hey, nice job, man. We'll be back tomorrow, Stocks and Jobs. That's all, folks.